0: This is Hash It Out, presented by Hash Sports. Let's go.
1: Yeah,
2: ain't got no jury on, still I'm shining hard. Ain't got no bodyguard walking solo through the mall. Bitches and the hoes, now they see me, they like, there he
0: goes.
1: They be like, there he goes, school boy. another edition of hash it out presented by hash sports i'm nick marzullo better known as a chew babe joined as always by brian mccarthy aka B-Sack. and today we got a little treat for you guys we have a special edition we're joined today by maurice corrett many of you know him back from that 03 national championship season where uh ohio state took down the chock full of talent miami hurricanes how are we doing today maurice
0: Man, I'm doing great. glad to be on with you all. Excellent. Great. I really appreciate you coming on, man. And, uh, you know, the first thing we had to get into here because we uh, went back and forth over that national championship game is, was that pass interference? Uh,
2: Listen, the, the, the only response I had to that, is that they they mailed me a ring? So that's the only thing. I, that's the only answer I have. For you. <laughs> <laughs> the rings uh, don't matter. The rings, rings all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all right. anyway, in, in my world, it's all that matters. You know, I don't I don't referee the games. I just I play, and what happens at the end. And some some things that we we see a bit differently. And I guess if you're from uh, the state of Florida, you may have uh, you may have thought it was passing affairs. But if you're from Ohio. I think your response would be similar to mine.
1: <laughs> oh, I love it! So, uh, yeah, we had a lot of uh, debate over uh, our first couple questions for you. Another, uh, another hot topic was uh, if you could take us through uh, maybe one of the biggest plays of the game. Um, came from that strip on Sean Taylor. Uh, run us through that play in your mind, Maurice.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it, was, um, it was it was it uh, was initially supposed to go. And uh, this is for the people who, like, are the real dedicated fans that have to watch all the film. Uh, but the, uh, the football was supposed to originally go to uh, our fullback in the flats. And uh, based upon the defense that they have been playing, you know, uh, no, no, like, nobody had been checking in the entire game. So, you know, they were pretty much ready to wrap that up and, and throw a touchdown pass. And what happened was that uh, our quarterback, Craig Krenzel, uh was a real good friend with a guy by the name of Ben Hartsock. And Ben was the uh, tight end. And everybody knows in football, the strong safety is usually married to the uh, to the tight end. And uh, you know they had Sean Taylor uh, watching Ben Hartsock. And uh, you know, no offense to Ben, he had an 11 to 12 year career. But you know, Sean Taylor was a better athlete. And uh, Ben Ben and Craig were roommates. And uh, Craig uh, wanted to throw his uh, his roommate a touchdown in the national championship game. So you know he forced the ball in there. Sean stepped in front of it. And I uh, intercepted it as he was returning, you know, I took an angle, uh, just really trying to get out the way and trying to stop him. And uh, as I got closer, I realized that the visor that he had on uh, was so dark that he couldn't see me approaching from the side. And uh, from carrying the football my whole life, you know, it was easy for me to see that he was carrying the ball improperly. And uh, basically just kind of waved my hand in there and uh, fell down and had the football.
1: Wow, that's, uh, that's definitely one of the most amazing plays I've seen
0: um, and one of the most memorable from that game, for sure. And Craig Krenzel over here just trying to get his boy Ben Hart to sock a ball in, uh, in the national championship game, thinking he can squeeze it in on Sean Taylor. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh, <man. laughs> you know, it probably made sense at the moment. You know what I'm saying? He probably didn't think it through when his buddy was asking. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, awesome. if, you know, if I look over Zulo stand and Zulo's standing open in the end zone, you know, I'm going to take a shot at him in the national championship game. Uh, so I know <laughs> the guy's going to come down with it. Um, but, yeah, going through, uh, was wondering, oh, I was asking about uh, your current relationship with Ohio State. You, uh you ever go back there often, go back to um, the some games? Uh, When I
2: first, well, I came from uh, Nebraska to Ohio back in 2012, and I had more free time to get down there and be around the program. And, uh, you know, just just kind of be around when I first came back, Uh, but I live uh, probably legit 30 minutes from the stadium, so it's it's like, unless I have something going over there, uh, there's no reason for me to go over there, you know what I'm saying, and it's not like one of those, like a bad situation, but, you know, in order to get over there now, you have to get over there and and go through the security checks, and and, and they have that thing pretty locked down, Uh, a lot more locked down than what it used to be, you know what I'm saying, but... You know, I see a lot of the younger guys out, you know, some of these young guys, you know, not most of the young guys live within the community, and, you know, you see them out on the and you chat with them, and talk to them, and, you know, social media kind of
1: brings you closer to everybody, you know what I'm saying? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I know, um, you know, the Horseshoe down in Columbus is one of the biggest, most, you know, intense stadiums in all of college football. Um, it seems like you kind of just stepped up on stage as a freshman and just kind of dominated from day one. How did you, uh, how'd you control your nerves, and how did you just, you know, Go as business as usual? I mean, but, um,
2: I graduated early, you know, so now you see a bunch of kids, they'll graduate early, and, you know, you may have 14, 15, or 16 guys uh, coming in January. Uh, but back in 2003 or 2002, uh, I was the first guy to, uh, to do it. And so uh, getting there in spring ball and getting acclimated to the campus. And going over to the stadium, uh, you know, maybe a half a dozen times before we actually played our first game, and uh, feeling like I was one of the guys after a, sp- uh, a spring and a summer and a whole training camp inside of the um, inside my first year, you know, that was a big deal. So uh, by the time I got to the stadium, you know, I had probably was that eight months, you know, I had eight months under my belt. So it was a different uh, perspective on you know my first day in comparison to you know, a freshman who probably just got there three or four weeks ago, and, you know, he just left his hometown and, you know, was probably working out back home, and he went from there to, you know, uh, 104,000 people. I have basically been, been slowly progressing within the system, you know, uh, since I had arrived
1: in January. I mean, yeah, slowly progressing through the system is one thing. Uh, running for a buck 75 and three touchdowns in your first game is, is un- almost unreal.
0: Quite another no no I just
1: I, I got lucky man I
2: got lucky it was uh it was a different time in football you know what I'm saying uh I don't know you know I, I came in um and if somebody else would talk about me it'd probably be easier uh but I came in I had a uh, a serious attitude you know like you know back uh back you know you know two thousand two two thousand three uh it was more it was still more downhill running tough guy Break tackles, take on blocks, run ISOs and inside zones and stuff like that. And football is a bit different. You know what I'm saying? uh, You know, that year we had a real good defense. That's probably the number one defense in the country. You know, so you go through eight, nine months of that, or or six, seven, eight months of that, and, you know, everything is about being tough. You know, this is the the, the late 90s and and early part of 2000s. Uh, this is like the real era that I was shaped in. So, you know, football still tough and grimy and grungy, and it wasn't so much spread offense and guys running around and short, quick stuff. And, you know, for a guy to be 225 or 235, was like a big blue in the back. So, you know, I just, I just had a different mentality. You know, a lot of stuff uh, you find out in life in general, a lot of stuff comes down to your mentality or your approach about it. And, uh, you know, just coming from Youngstown, I just had a totally okay. different um, approach towards the game. And uh, it wasn't my physical talent uh, alone that basically uh, helped me step up. It was just the approach towards everything. And you know, I was happy to play football and happy, you know, to lift weights and happy to do conditioning and happy to watch film, you know. Uh, football is fun for me. You know, and for a lot of guys, it's not fun uh, uh, these days because they come, become distracted uh, with so much of, uh, you know, social media and you know, all these little recruiting websites and being ranked and having followers and you know, and that, that's part of the game because these guys are younger, and I'm not knocking it, but, you know, we didn't have any distractions like that. It was just, you know, play football, break tackles, uh, or, or try to go win a football game. So it was like, a, I call it like, you know, uh, one, of, one of the more
1: special eras, you know, in football. Oh, for sure. Yeah, social media has definitely changed, you know, not only football, but the way we live our everyday life. So, yeah, I definitely hear yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, it
0: was uh, – actually, going back to that, I was kind of wondering um, – Speaking of that sort of tough running style, just never go down, I think that's something everybody loved about the way you ran the ball, being, you know, what, six foot two thirty. who did you, uh, who did you kind of think you wanted to run like when you were growing up? Who were you, looking you know, up yeah, to? I was, I was a Walter Payton fan, you know,
2: uh, if anybody ever Sweet played picks. film on him, yeah. uh, he was just like, you know, he was um, uh, about 95, 205 at best, probably 215 at best, I don't know, you know, I never checked his height as a weight, but. You know, he used to run like he was 6'5", you know, in, in, in 280. And, you know, he would run directly into guys, and he would never uh, run out of bounds. And everything was just, like, super aggressive. So, you know, when I was in high school, maybe 10th, 11th, uh, 12th grade, I would just sit down and just watch film on him. And, uh, you know, back in it was like VHS, and you pop a VHS, and, you know, you could just sit there and just rewind plays and go hour on hour on hour uh, and just watch him and then watch your own style and uh and it was just you know it was impressive to me you know i mean i would i would sit there and watch interviews i could uh, i could go get on it you know this was back when you can go check a uh, tape out of a library you know so you would go to the library and you would take you know any tapes you had but you know it was interesting it was fun you know what i'm saying uh just even talking about it's fun to me now those experiences um you know those those, those moments when you really you know trying to be something like you know it would be like this like you know Say this. Uh, say this. Podcast takes off and it goes somewhere, and it becomes, you know, like a major thing. You know, nothing to be funner or nothing to be, um, nothing, nothing to feel more special than the time that you take when you build it. You know, what I'm saying, and you chasing down the guests, and you chasing all the people, and you are trying to put things together, and things don't come through. But you know, a lot of your uh, your career, when you look back, or or your your, your playing days, special moments are the stuff where you're really trying to make something of yourself. And Walter Payton watching a film. Uh, when you're really trying to protect, pre- project, I said protect. When you're really trying to uh, to make something of yourself or, or to uh, uh, to put yourself on the right path to to become who you ultimately
1: want to be, you know, he was definitely a part of my uh, my development. That's that's awesome, Maurice. It's definitely more about the journey than the destination, almost. And um, that's really cool you said that. We really appreciate that. And um, so yeah, I know I know this was a this was kind of a big topic this year in the. In the college football, um, Leonard Fournette. They talked about him, you know, coming out after his freshman year. I know you kind of, kind of looked to go that route back when you were a freshman at Ohio State. Um, you know, I just want to know if you would change anything, anything about that. You know, maybe would you decide to stay if you could do it all over again?
2: No, um, and I, you know, you would have to go watch the uh, the Youngstown Boys story that he is being did to understand and to bring full context to the story. Uh, because you're really talking about two different things. I, I, I want to separate them before we go further. Uh, I never really wanted to try to go pro early. I tried to stay in school, uh, but due to the circumstances uh, of the administration and also uh, just the circumstances I was put into, like there was like an only option uh, for me to move forward with my football career was to go to the NFL. And so that was, uh, that, that was one thing, but the deal with Leonard Fournette, uh, I'm not sure that people understand the uh, the totality or the business in the football. You know, oftentimes you hear like, you football is just big business. It's numbers. it's money everywhere. Uh, and I had a chance to sit in on a conference the other um, the other week uh, with a guy by the name of Joseph Pierre and I wish you all can find him and get him on your podcast because uh, he'll have a, a hit podcast for you all. He's so intellectually um sound, he's so deep, he's so accurate, and he's so, uh, he's great at storytelling, making different analogies to make uh, complex situations very easy to understand, and so uh, I had a chance to talk to them or hear these guys talk about the actual business, uh, from the tax revenue to the uh, the workman's comp situation, uh, to insurances to, to everything that encompasses uh, these places being called nonprofit programs, to uh, injuries and, and, and just so much other stuff far beyond than just athletes saying, hey, I want more money to play. Now, that's the obvious stuff. Athletes generate so much money, and in return, they're not adequately educated or compensated on any level. Uh, and, and, and that's just a whole different conversation in itself. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, uh, I, I'm all for guys uh, if they have the ability to. You know, And just like anything else, it's like uh, – You know, if a guy has the ability, I I would say another guy who was able to do it was probably Adrian Adrian Peterson. You know, Adrian Peterson did lead three years in college. Adrian Peterson could have have legitimately gone to the NFL probably for one or two years in college. You know what I'm saying? There was nothing else to prove, um, you know, when he stayed a third year. And and it's not to say you lift the cap and everybody who's younger uh, will go and they'll have success and all that other stuff. It's to say that everybody's situation is different, you know, this is not the 1960s when people develop at a slow rate. You know, you're going to have this conversation come up more and more because, you know, you put these Nike speed camps in the Under Armour camps and you put these, uh, these weights and these training programs together a lot earlier with kids who are, you know, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. You know, you got all these hormones in the food. You have these supplements. You have crazy parents. Uh, who want to live off, live off the backs of their kids, and they're developing a lot earlier. You know what I'm saying? And so when you, when you start having people develop earlier and have a lot more success earlier, the conversation, will, will, it, it will slowly shift, uh, but, but guys will become more interested in it. You know what I'm saying? Like these kids now, they're, they're phenomenal what they can do You know, a lot younger and a lot earlier just due to the training, access to information, access to, excuse me, the proper uh, trainers uh, to assist them in doing so. And, uh, you know, uh, but but to to answer your question, I'm all
0: for it. uh, But I don't think, you know, leaving is for everybody. But, you know, hey, that's just my personal opinion. So uh, sort of piggybacking on that, um, biggest uh, sort of topic in the NCAA right now is also, uh, you know, should we pay these players who are, you know, putting their bodies uh, on the line here? uh, Do you think, uh, like, a free education is enough? Or do you think that uh, maybe they should – Actually, just start paying these players. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the vague thing. The, uh,
2: the, the vague thing is the say to get a free education, right? That's the, that's the blanket statement that's pushed and marketed to people. Uh, but if you actually dug into the specifics of that, um, you're essentially talking about the, um, uh, the core group of players who happen to be superstars, or most kids, most of these kids are from underprivileged inner city black communities, right? Uh, they don't meet the normal enrollment requirements that most guys would need to meet in order to basically be on these campuses. So when they come inside of the enrolling process um, and they go through their placement test, there's no classes that are compatible uh, on on these campuses to basically assist these guys in. So what happens is that they put these guys in, in BS courses or courses that are strategically made up and manufactured, Strictly for black athletes, you know, or, or athletes who struggle. But for the majority of part, these guys are black athletes. You know, they come from fellow school districts. They can't really read. They can't really, they, they, they're, they almost said they can't read. They can't read and comprehend on a level that would be compatible to going to some of these universities. So they get on these campuses and they're placed inside of these BS courses and they deal with this, uh, this nonsense coursework. And once they're put on that, that path, uh, a coach knows that there's nothing that my guy can do with an African-American studies degree. There's nothing my guy can do with a, a broadcasting degree. There's nothing that my guy can do with a communications degree. And they, and they uh, turn these guys out by the thousands and set these guys up with BS degrees. And one thing that I always say when I go and speak to these college coaches, is like, would you put your kids in these old classes? You know say saying? Would you pay your hard-earned money to put your kid in a class that you have your star running back in or your star quarterback in And the majority of the time, the answer is no. You know, said, but that's a, a harsh reality that these coaches have to face themselves and say, hey, you know, setting this kid up for failure because there's nothing that this kid can do with this education, uh, you know, quote-unquote education that he's receiving. He's just receiving a bunch of classes. He's receiving a stipend, and they're doing enough just for this kid to stay eligible. We're not adequately educating this kid and bringing him above the level that he's currently at. But we just want to rent him for these next two or three years to help us win some football games or some basketball games. And after that, you know... Best of luck to him, you know. Saying he should have taken advantage of all the resources here. So there's a there's a, there's a, a convenient um, a, a convenient way of ignoring um, uh, something as detrimental as um, my guy having literacy problems. You know, we'll we'll consciously ignore that. Uh, you know, we'll consciously put him in, in, inside some fluff courses to keep him eligible uh, to basically uh, generate salaries for these head coaches and assistant coaches. And and generate revenue for the entire sporting program. And the majority of time, it's basketball, football, is the the revenue-generating sports. And uh, these sports end up supporting all of these other town nine sports. You know what I'm saying? So that's the whole deal. That's the whole conversation. uh, That I'm telling you. If you brought Joseph Napier on here, uh, he can really spark conversation with you all and break it down in a way that's so beautiful and he can really dig into the, into the meat and the bones and you know, whatever you want to say, whatever analogy sounds cool. He can dig a lot of this stuff out, but there's a lot of stuff that he educated me on to help to um, uh, further understand uh, the, the, my, the context of my, my entire uh, experience or, or what happened
1: to me just from him breaking down the business into a little bit more. Oh yeah, for sure. That's uh, that's really awesome and interesting getting uh, a former collegiate athlete's take on that. Because yeah, I know that's a, definitely a really hot topic issue right now in uh, in college football. So yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. But um, so anyway, another another question I definitely think a lot of our listeners would definitely want to hear about is uh, I understand you uh you and LeBron James are kind of both Ohio natives, and I kind of wanted to you know hear what it was like growing up with LeBron and uh, you know what your relationship is with him.
2: I mean that was uh, we formed it. Uh, maybe he was in the ninth, tenth grade, somewhere around there. In uh, ninth, ninth, tenth, eleventh grade. I don't know if I was in the eleventh that he was tenth or I was in the tenth that he was in the ninth. Uh, it was something around that that era or that area. And it came to uh, Youngstown, Youngstown, Akron, is uh, two towns, maybe about uh, forty miles apart from each other. And uh, they came to town and they played. Um, it was a uh, school called George Junior Republic. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was surprising to me because I had never heard of a, a high school kid being able to sell out uh, a college stadium. You know, so, so he came over there, he sold out the college stadium. And obviously you had some of everybody on you know, the who's who uh, in town to watch the game. And from that point, we had kind of a foreign relationship. And uh, for for the years after that, you know, I just kind of stayed cool and cordial. And the fact that, uh, you know, I was at Ohio State, he was right there in Akron, and we had uh, sort of everything taken off at around the same time. You know, Ohio State had taken off it had become uh, national champions, and I uh, was just the Today player the year prior to that, and then he had been the uh, the biggest thing in high school basketball and, and the number one pick transition to the NBA. So, you know, you don't you don't realize that at the moment, you know, there, there's no way that you're going to look back and like, y'all, this is a special moment uh, for, for Ohio sports in general, but when you kind of look back and like, man, you know, that was a special moment, and you kind of appreciate it more because uh, you understand, like, you know, you, you just understand the, the significance or the the, uh, the the foundation of how everything became built. You know, uh, I was just with Maverick, uh, maybe about two months ago, I went up to Cleveland and I was hanging out. with I was in Maverick, and the, uh, one of the guys who was the business manager. So Maverick and, and Rich and Randy and Phil and all those guys and to see those guys, uh, even his supporting staff, you know, a lot of people look at LeBron now and, um, and, and they look at him in amazement, like, yo, this is LeBron James who's doing everything right, uh, but I just kind of see it from a, from a different uh, perspective, so to speak, and I see it from he's able to, uh, to focus on basketball and be perceived as a great businessman because he has this whole group of solid guys on his team, you know what I'm saying, and I remember when those guys had first left college and, and Rich was living in Cleveland these guys had just formulated this all the way back to a point I remember uh, it was uh, myself, King Griffey Jr., uh, Steve Stout, and Jay-Z. Uh, we were at a, 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 um, a Cleveland game. It was an early game coming on. And I can remember even when Phil Knight had offered uh, Maverick a job or at the beginning of the talks of that. We was backstage, and I was talking to King Griffey Jr. about going down to Orlando what he was playing in college football. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it, was, it was funny. It's funny even, even think about now. I remember when all these guys. Uh, just had started that whole idea of, you know, getting together and, and just to see where they at with, with, with everything, you know, where they, where they basically took the brand to and, and made it bigger and, and, and supported him and, and made him seem larger than life. And, you know, he'll probably be the first guy uh, from basketball to generate a billion dollars, you know said, But, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of cool to see, man. You know, it's, it's more than cool. It's beautiful to see. You know, you should just see where somebody can take something that's so small and so simple and just turn it into something massive.
0: You know, just uh, that's a blessing. Oh, for sure. Just, that's uh, a, you just said the magic words on the Hash It Out podcast, which are Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, we have mentioned him in every podcast we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> we love Ken Griffey yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. So I wanted to actually yeah, jump yeah, into yeah. another relationship you have. <laughs> hey, I tell you, like, um, Ken Griffey was adamant about playing at, uh, that college football.
2: Right? Ken Griffey was? Yeah, he, he wanted to play the, the video game. He was, he, he, he was trying to fly down to Orlando because he had his house with his uh his uh, his big TV. Like man, just come down to uh you know because they was flying on private planes, all that nonsense, right? And they're like, "Yo, come down and we can play like on the I don't know if it's like seventy inch screen or something
0: like that." But my man was he, he was all the way into the, uh, the college football game. Dude, I didn't man. know Ken Griffey could be any cool. I couldn't have looked up to him more. And you just made my day by letting me know the kid you plays NCAA football on this big screen TV in Orlando. So <laughs> now I look, to, look up to him even more. Uh, the kid doesn't get any better than that. Uh, yeah, and um, yes, yeah, so I also wanted to jump into uh, another relationship that I know uh, you're quite fond of here. I know you read a bunch of books by Warren Buffett. Uh, can you jump into a little bit of uh, what kind of relationship you have now? Uh, what sort of impact had on you? And uh, can you introduce me?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, well, that was, uh, that was uh,
2: definitely a cool experience. Uh, I had a chance to uh, meet him when I was in Omaha. Um, our, our coach for our team was uh, Joe Moglia, and uh, Joe had been the CEO of uh, Ameritrade for probably about seven or eight years. He decided to leave uh, being the active CEO and just basically be the chairman of the board. And uh, through a conversation that we had at the golf course, you know, I told him about uh, just, you know, all the books I had read on Warren Buffett and that, you know, I idolized him and just was uh, very intrigued by, you know, his simplicity and his humility and, uh, and just the amount of uh, uh, discipline that he had over a period of time to basically turn his small fortune into to what it is now. And uh, he was like, you know, hey, he like, you know, Warren Buffett is a good friend of mine. And I was like, all right, cool, that sounds good. And he was like, you know, I'll see if he can meet you. I'll see if he can meet you. And so for me, it sounded so distant uh, because I was like, you know, this is the same person I read about where people would pay, you know, six, seven hundred grand an hour to, to sit down and meet with this guy, you know, or um, just for somebody to be one of the top, you know, guys in the uh, world in regards to, uh, to finances, you would think that it's a very complex situation to, uh, to be able to meet them, you know, or to get next to them. Uh, but lo and behold, I was in my apartment, he called me up. You know, he asked me uh, what I had going on on the weekend. As if, like, you know, he was just a regular, average Joe. And uh, he invited me down to his office. And you know, long behold, I got to his office, and you know, I, I get down there, and he was like, "Hey, you know, would you want to come in and hang out for a few?" And so, me and the family came and hung out. Uh, but the funny thing about it was, he was talking. He was like, "You know, uh, I want to warn you already. I love to talk, so you know, don't 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 take offense to it." And so, the next thing you know, you know, I had read about him so much and seen some of the interviews with him on Charlie Rose. I think Charlie Rose is probably one of the coolest interviewing guys. You know, he always has like the dopest uh, uh, guests or characters, you know, all this uh, uh, or just World influencers or whatever you want to call it. He always has like the, the coolest guests on TV, but I've seen him, you know, a few different times on Charlie Rose, and so I felt like I knew him already. Uh, but I was totally cool and comfortable with talking to him and laughing and joking. And, you know, he gave me a different perspective on, on what I thought that, that life was. And even though I've seen a snapshot, and it was just a meeting in a room for a few hours. Uh, just walking away just gave me a different uh, perspective on success and, and, and what I thought something looked like and, and, and what it actually was. You know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's amazing, man. Yeah, Warren Buffett, definitely one of the, the true business brains out there. And uh, the fact that you get to form that that relationship with him, that's, a, that's awesome, man. That really is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I guess piggybacking off that, I know you've had a uh, you know a lot of ups and downs in your life and in your career. I guess uh, who would you say your biggest you know role model and uh, who had the biggest impact on your life uh, up to date would be?
2: Um, uh, I don't know. It's, it's like um, you know you, you get different people at different moments. You know, um, I think it's highly important that you know you should look at um, you you should look at different people throughout the journey of your career. You know, whatever you're trying to do or whatever you happen to be interested in to. Uh, and, and just through, you know, I was when I was in prison, obviously, you know, I read a bunch of books. So, you know, it was the Charlie Mungers, the Dale Carnegie, the Andrew Carnegie, the uh, Napoleon Hill, the Earl Nightingales, the, the John Maxwells, and the Stephen Covey. Stay Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey. I never know how to pronounce his name. Uh, but you look at those guys, and those guys were my mentors. Uh, even though they were books, uh, those are my mentors in that period of time. But then also the physical guys, in prison guys that you spend time with, you know, guy by the name of Taurus Hearns and Michael Wagner and Dwayne Hudson and, you know, and those guys, you know, because, you know, there's something different going on in your life at the time. And so, you you know, you look to them uh, to kind of help you get through that moment. But I think, you know, anywhere uh, that you can kind of trace your your path back, you know, any, any anywhere that you experience a level of growth, you know, you, you obviously had, like, mentors in that time. And so when I was in Omaha, uh, there was a guy by the name of Dr. Marshall Jacobs, and even though I didn't want to be a... Uh, uh, doctor of some sorts, you know, he was just good at uh, teaching me and introducing me to the um, to just business in general, and uh, he had ran his own practice, and he he understood the mechanics of business, and I had read so many books, and I understood, understood the concepts, but I didn't know how I looked in real life, and uh, he was instrumental in helping me just uh, get started in business in general, uh, and obviously Joe Mowgli and Joe Mowgli was teaching me just to think and shrink a little further. Uh, and, you know, when I came back to Ohio, you know, I was just uh, 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 basically implementing a lot of what I learned from there. And, you know, when 30 for 30 came out, you know, I met Brian Wilkes. Brian uh, is probably one of the smartest people that I've ever come across or met in my life. You know, Brian has, has taught me a lot. And uh, you will be amazed at how much you can just learn from uh, watching people work deals. And uh, I think that's the coolest thing. Like, if I could just give any advice to, to anybody who may be listening to this, uh, one thing is not so much the mentorship uh, of people uh, telling you what to do, but watching them work actual deals. And I think anything in my life that I've ever learned is just watching people work small deals, bigger deals. Uh, just, just uh, if I if I can give a class, if I can give my daughter a few classes in our lifetime consistently, it would be uh, understanding how much the attitude and influence this stuff, and just understanding how people work deals. You know, what I'm saying, and understanding how to you know get to the significant part. Uh, of every deal and, and, and closing stuff, just closing deals. I think that's, like, so big and so huge uh, because it, life is full of deals. But, you know, I've had, I've, I've had numerous people uh, just throughout my progression, you know, uh, some guys younger, some guys older, you know, and, and, and when we are always in a state
0: of looking for inspiration with other people, I think it's kind of easy to find. Yeah, so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, looking into that, that's uh, having a bunch of people sort of inspire you like that, trying to find different avenues is uh, obviously something you're looking for, and, um, you know, you're kind of a source of inspiration for people, the way you sort of came back the ups and downs, kind of wondering uh, what you want people to remember about you. I don't, I don't know. Um, that, that statement
2: used to be so good, like, you know, how do you want people to remember you? Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't want to, like, focus and live in that space because people are forgotten so fast. You know, I was, uh, I was uh, I said it, like, jokingly, uh, but I was serious. I said, man, look, I was talking to uh, Ashley, who's my wife, and I said, Ashley, look, they didn't forget about Prince already, you know, because uh, Tupac's mother passed today, you know, and I, and I heard about that. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, my guy Will Smith had passed away, you know, and uh, everything's a moment. You know, every everybody, you know, everybody has their moment. People grieve and they you know, before you know it, life just travels at a different speed. Nobody uh, spends time caring anymore. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you know, I don't I don't I don't ever want to deal with like, hey, how would they remember me? Uh, because of course of course a lot of life goes on, but you know, I just want people to interact and appreciate me and, and deal with me and, 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 and be cool with me and smile with me and joke with me while I'm here. Uh, because when you go on brother, they done it, you know, we we a week goes past, you know, everybody moves on. You know, it's almost sad to say, but that's the world we live in. News and information uh, just cycles through so fast. But if anything, you know, just a caring, giving, funny, uh, uh, just cool person. You know, the same person that you are. Uh, you know, people make it a little bit more complex than what it is. Like the same person that you are, uh, you, you, you aim to be when you're a kid, when you want to be liked and laugh and, and joke around and play around. Ultimately, you know, as an adult, you're really searching for that same thing. You know, uh, but of course you have to work uh to create, uh finances for yourself when you're building business and all that stuff but man as long as you can get like a, a girl to like you as long as you can
1: smile and laugh and joke and be cool to the people who you who you like you know that's all life is about you know I me mean? oh absolutely maurice i couldn't uh, i think speaking for me BMac and ben uh i think we couldn't agree more and um maurice man we just want to say it was an absolute pleasure having you on the uh, the hash it out podcast today you're extremely insightful and uh like, it was an absolute pleasure, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Man, listen, man, thank you all for having me on. Thanks, my man, Brian Wilkes, for making the connection.
2: Uh, and, listen, man, much success and, and, and much growth. And whatever it takes, you know, uh, I hope, hopefully in some way that, you know, uh, what we're saying today makes people laugh, joke, smile, or, or give them a little insight, you know, to
1: help them uh, pay attention to people working deals. You know, but pay attention to the deals, though, brother. Oh, absolutely, Maurice. And I hope uh, hope we can definitely touch base again in the future, my man.
2: Got you, Will. You all have a good day. And uh, I'm going to go back
1: over here and work and and get back to doing what I was doing. Absolutely, man. God bless. Have a great weekend. I appreciate it, Maurice. Take it easy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Maurice Corette on the the Hash It Out podcast. And Brian, man, I, I mean, I know that guy is the man. I love that guy. What do you think?
0: Uh, Well, obviously never met Maurice Claret before today, but uh, watched that Youngstown Boys documentary over the weekend, gained some respect, and uh, he just might be one of my favorite players of all time now. That was unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. And just the connections that guy has, you know, Griffey Jr., uh, LeBron, um, Warren Buffett. I mean, the guy is is a fucking all-time legend, man. I mean, standard hash it out. The guy talks about beating some of the most inspirational people on the planet. First thing we point out is that he played. Dude, yeah, he was a
1: big, <laughs> big NCAA player. He's flying down, playing on Griffey's seventy-inch TV. That's unreal, man. That is unreal. Okay. And the guy was Maurice, man. What a what a smart man he
0: was. He's very insightful, and uh, I, mean, I definitely learned a lot from him. How about you? Yeah, that was uh, that was one hell of a, a couple of answers he gave us there. Just I didn't know anything about some of those uh, those relationships with Warren Buffett, some of those guys. The, uh, uh, Griffey like oh, LeBron like all oh, those guys he's just he's led one hell of a life
1: he has man what a one inspirational guy right there so uh, yeah I'm, that's the, I'm uh, pulling for him oh I'm pulling for him too man I really am I hope his companies do well but um see that's the uh, that's a hash it out uh, interview podcast kind of a different format we had a uh, you know we had Maurice on so yeah we had to adapt and I think you know you know what a good time we had boys
0: yeah stay tuned for uh, Warren Buffett and Ken, Ken Griffey Jr. coming up on the later podcast
1: Oh man! Until then, boys. I'm I'm Chew. He's Mac. We got background BVD in there. So uh, we'll catch you next week.